you know, uh, my manager's 32. She doesn't understand. We get on really well. Then she sees me in a dreadful state with a hot flush and she thinks it's funny. You know, I'm going to her for help and she just walks away. She continually walks away from me mm. because she's embarrassed. And again, it's having this lack of knowledge and lack of understanding. Welcome back to another episode of Thriving Through Menopause podcast, the show where we crack open the conversation about this time of life and empower you to become the CEO of your menopause transition. I'm your host, Dr. Clarissa Christensen. Join me and my guests as each week we show you how you can thrive through menopause. And you know, on this show, I've talked a lot to you guys about menopause at work, that it affects us there as much as it does in our personal lives. And we've got to get better about talking ourselves to our employers, and we expect our employers to be able to talk much better to us about a subject that, in fact, affects not just us as women, but it's a human-to-human thing. It's everybody. So I'm really delighted to have on the podcast today somebody that I met through LinkedIn who's really breaking ground on how we talk about menopause at work, and that's Dee Coxon. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Clarissa. I'm delighted to be here and excited to get an opportunity to uh, to chat about this. Oh, that's lovely. Well, for the listeners, Dee, Tell yourself, tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Okay, well, I'll give you the condensed version because I'm aware that we're time limited. So initially, um, for 30 years, uh, I was self-employed. I owned hairdressing and beauty salons, and that was my main adult career. Uh, and I went for a midlife career change. There was a number of things calling me to do something else. And, and after a while, I decided to take the plunge. So... For a little while now, I've actually, because of my own experience and because of what I've done uh, in my world of work, um, I decided to share with other women how I made the career change because it wasn't easy. And so I turned to, uh, to coaching for midlife women who wanted to start a really tiny micro business to, uh, to suit their lifestyle, to meet their needs. Um, and because I'd found the journey really difficult and I'd gone around the world to set it all up, I wanted to find a way that they could go from A to Z much quicker than I had. So that's what I've been doing and that's what my career change consisted of. But in this career change, I'll go back to 30 years as being self-employed. Then when I was doing that in the salons, I never ever attended a networking event. I never had to because my business didn't require that. It was all word of mouth, recommendations, etc. So it was only when I entered the world of networking um, that the, the real story behind menopause and women at work um, sort of slapped me in the face because when I went through menopause, I was self-employed. And I had, the, what was wonderful for me was I was able to manage my symptoms and my life in a way that absolutely worked for me because I wasn't answerable to anyone. I didn't have any contractual obligations. I didn't have to seek permission. Um, and for some bizarre reason, I thought that's how it was for everyone until I started networking and came across women who were in these horrendous 
situations that, you know, not for everyone, but for a lot of them who have really bad experiences um, were still contractually obliged to be in the workplace uh, while they were undergoing these changes. And for some women, yes, they're wonderful changes, but for many women, they are not. The good changes come at the very end of that. And so that was when I first learned that, oh my God, I have this in my mind that this is what it's like, this is what you do, this is how you manage it. And I was the exception, not the rule. So that was a shock for me to discover that. Mm. Yeah, and I think I can relate to, you know, what you've seen and experienced and something that it was a shock that you had to manage this and be at work. I mean, you can't be off sick for very long because then, well, you can lose your job or you have to start eating into your sick leave, your holiday leave, go on unpaid. And none of us can really afford to do that. And yet there wasn't any solution and no one was talking about this. Absolutely. And again, as I say, it was going to networking events and because I coach midlife women, obviously the, um, the subject was coming up more and more because one of the wonderful things um, about going through menopause, you know, the old fashioned term is a change of life. Yeah. But the flip side of that is it's a change of life in so many wonderful ways as well when you remove the bad stuff from that. Um, and I think we're more open to change, we're, we're more aware of, you know, the age thing comes in and you're more aware of your own mortality and you think, I've been wanting to make this change, if not now, when? Because so many things are changing in my life. And so um, th- this dialogue was coming in over and over again when I'm, I'm meeting with women, you know, and they're telling me mm. not only am I going through the, the change, uh, as we so affectionately call it, but, you know, I want to make other changes. So this is how I came across um, A, the women who were experiencing it, and then B, of course, by starting to go to networking events, this is where I was meeting all of the corporate women who didn't have the same luxury as me and where mm-hmm. I was hearing um, the horror stories about what it was really like for them. And But the one thing I noticed, which, I, I'm, you know, you're going to move the conversation along, so maybe you want to do this a little bit later, but this was when I started to notice there was a huge gap in between women like your wonderful self who provide all of this support, all of this education, everything for the woman who is going through the menopause, okay? I applaud that, I encourage that, and I love to see it. And then at the other end of the spectrum, there were templated workplace policies you know and they were very box standard you look at any organization doing this that they're pretty much same as same as with little room for maneuver mm. but from from the women supporting the women going through it like yourself to yeah. the template workplace policies there was this huge you know there's like a board here with menopause and an island here with a solution and in the middle was this huge ocean was well how would you get from there to there in the workplace and yeah. so I decided um, with my good colleague, uh, Tracy Tate, who is co-creator of Menicos, uh, we had met through social media, became close, um, we'd gone through menopause at the same time, but Tracy was from the corporate world. So she uh, could zone in on Tracy, you know, we would compare what it had been like for her compared mm. to what it had been 
for me. And she was as shocked by my story as I was by hers because they were vastly different. Uh, even we both had some horrendous symptoms, we were very unfortunate, but even our symptoms were entirely different. So yeah. Very, yeah. And I think you're right, there is there is a lot of knowledge. So it was because of, you know, yeah. And there is a lot of knowledge, you're right, there is more and more knowledge, but then that's how do you get that into the workplace? You're right, there's that massive gap, isn't there, Dee? Yes. It's, yeah. like, it's like, yes, I hear you and maybe I can do things at home, but how do I say something to my boss when I get to work? Um, yes. How do I um, manage when I'm crying in, in the loo? How do I manage yes. when I'm hot and sweat? I mean, what's going on? What am I supposed to say to somebody? How do I broach that conversation? And I don't think we've really started helping women to do that on a, on a big level at all. Well, we haven't. Um, I'm proud to say I think we have now mm. with menopause uh, bridging the gap because after lots of research because what we learned very quickly on when Tracy and I decided to do this um we knew that researching individuals about you know what they wanted what mattered to them how we could make it better one thing that came clear very very quickly was everyone wanted to have a conversation but they all wanted to remain anonymous and I understand that <laughs> and the reason they wanted to remain anonymous was and this is so shocking that you know, most women, and they were right to think this because sadly it is true. If they came forward with an admission, then there was a perception of, you know, advancing age or, you know, the career coming to an end and they didn't want to come forward with the information, A, because they were humiliated and embarrassed because it's deeply personal, and B, they didn't want their employers to think, well, you know, should we be managing her out now or should we just sort of let this drift and see what happens? We, you know, and they didn't want that to happen to them. And on the other side of that, because we interviewed a lot of men uh, when we were doing our research and kudos to the men who were absolutely brilliant and they get the blame for a lot of things and it's not their fault. Uh, in a lot of cases, it's not their fault because... They are part of this old narrative, you know, it's, um, yeah. well, she'll be 55, she'll have fuzzy hair, she'll have heavy periods, who wants to have a conversation about that? And that's as much as they knew about it. So I made it, uh, I made it my business, I was very fortunate through networking that I've met a lot of younger managers, both male and female, and have developed good relationships so I, I nailed them into the interviews you know and, I, and they were like oh my god what are these questions going to be um but it was so wonderful to have the conversations from both sides and what you would have you would have the male managers who would say um i want to help i know it's an issue but i don't know what to say I'm embarrassed, uh, you know, what's PC, what am I allowed to say, what, I don't want to sit through this conversation, this woman's 15 years older than me, and, you know, I, I don't want to hear all of this stuff, so I don't know how to fix it, I don't know what to do for her, but I have this assumption that it'll be about heavy periods and having a cry at the desk, you know, which was horrendous for me to hear that, that that was their perception of it, but it really was. But on the other side of that, what came as a big shock to me was um, I spoke to some female managers and one in particular who I'm really grateful that she flagged this up. Um, 
She was on a team of five and had a female manager who was wonderful. You know, they loved her. She, she was fair but firm. They got on great with her. And then they noticed and realised that some changes in her, and she was going through menopause. Okay, so she said, uh, "We actually include her in menopause because she said to us, my question is, who's managing her behaviour? Because she said she became a tyrant, and she says three of the five of us were pregnant at the time, mm-hmm. uh, and she says, and while we realised she was going through menopause, and we noticed the changes." Um, her behaviour to us was horrendous and no one was managing her. So she said, we were going to work tearful. We were afraid of her, this wonderful woman who would be a terrific boss. We were thinking, when is she going to come back? When is this going to stop? And she said, but, you know, we weren't aware of anything in the workplace for to help her. And she said, so, you know, my question is, for God's sake, give this woman some time off to, to sort of whatever this is or someone help us to manage her behaviour, because we're coming to work afraid. And so that was a real eye-opener. And we heard that story uh, many Mm. times as well. Mm. I think you've raised two really big different points there, Dean. I mean, men are not really very sure what this is all about. We're not talking about men and menopause very much. And I know that's a topic that's quite dear to your heart that I'd like to talk more about. But... They are embarrassed. And I, and I think I've noticed that, you know, I go around here and people would say, oh, you live in Sweden. It's such a liberated country. Well, I've never seen so many men wriggle in their seats, sort of giggle and look anywhere but at me because or make an inappropriate comment, which I'm quite shocked about, actually. <laughs> because it's not a conversation we have in public. And, no. and and men, therefore, uh, maybe have experienced it if their wife has gone through it, but they, they don't know. And I think when we don't know, we feel embarrassed. We'd rather not talk about it. So I think it's really important to address men. But I really yeah. like on the other side that you raised younger women, and I think you raised younger women in a team there, and a, a really valid point. But I wonder also about younger women managers who don't understand, you know, my own personal experience was that they were very unsympathetic at times because of their own lack of knowledge. I don't know if you had some experience in doing your work with that as well. Yes, absolutely. Because, you know, we came across a woman who said, you know, uh, my manager's 32. She doesn't understand. We get on really well. Then she sees me in a dreadful state with a hot flush and she thinks it's funny. You know, I'm going to her for help and she just walks away. She continually walks away from me Mm. because she's embarrassed. And again, it's having this lack of knowledge and lack of understanding. But we've discovered why that they haven't got the knowledge and they don't want to understand because there's a huge assumption. And probably because it's true, I have to say this. um, Mm. What the feedback we got was, I do not, this was male and female managers, okay, uh, what they wanted to avoid was to sit at a menopause conference, okay, and go through a graphic anatomy lesson. That's what they didn't, you know, they said, I'm sitting with colleagues, you know, who sit two desks away from me type of thing, and I don't want to hear about heavy periods or whatever. I don't think I, I need to know that. I may need to learn about it, but I don't want to go through that in a public setting filled with colleagues, you know, maybe a hundred people in the room. I can't take in the information because I'm so embarrassed. It's horrible. 
and they don't, you know, if that is their truth and that is how it makes them feel, then there has to be another way and a better way for them to have that information. I so agree with you, Jen. I know that there's been a big push at menopause at work and getting women and men into the same room. And I've heard back from other people saying, well, women turn up of a certain age. But if it's voluntary, men and younger women are just not there. So they're not getting that message anyway. And the company's investing a lot of money to bring a trainer in. And yet it's not really reaching the people that it's meant to reach. Um, no. It can make a difference. Yeah. Yes, and that, which and um, you may laugh at this, but this is absolutely true. And if Tracy was here, she would clarify this for you. Um, very early on, when we started this, one of the reasons we dis- we decided that we would stay exclusively online, okay, is what I'd learned from the research, which I had a vision in my head of a twenty, thirty something year old manager behind the screen, male or female, you know, seeing what we had to offer, what they could learn, what it would do for them in private, okay? So they were getting everything that they needed, but they didn't have to be at a conference. That's not to say they'll never go to a conference because I believe the wonderful thing about menopause is once they have all of that information and understanding, I wouldn't say they'll be happy to go to a conference but they'll have a lot more confidence and there won't be the fear and the assumption that it's going to be an anatomy lesson or something they don't understand. So in my mind, my ideal client was a a person sat behind the laptop, having a look at medicals and going, yeah, I'm going to do that because it's going to give me everything I need in private so I can understand it, digest it, and then deliver that in my workplace or at least say to my employers I understand this I know what it's about and if I'm going to be approached by a woman who needs some support at work I'm no longer going to be afraid because I understand it now because for me the biggest part that's been missing that we talked about earlier the gap in between the wonderful work you do and and women like you and the templated menopause policies at work was the human element so how could you expect these people, if they didn't have an understanding of what happens to people, be it male, female, young or old, because there are so many people affected by menopause, without that understanding, we're never going to move the conversation forward, we're not going to move the support at work forward. And as you say, um, people won't come voluntary unless it's mainly a woman that's actually going through it you know so we needed to find a way to, to bridge that gap and as i say even though many course is all online where it can be accessed privately um i don't think many course is a barrier to move on to the next stage it's gonna open the barriers and give people the confidence well i am going to attend this Post because now I get it and now I know why I need to be there and the kind of difference I can make to my colleagues, my teams, and my workplace by mm. having this information. And you know, just for the listeners, tell them just a little bit about you know some of the aspects of men, of course, and you know, not all of it in detail, but maybe just a few of the key ways in which it works. Well, I think the, the most important thing, certainly being the most important thing for Tracy and I, is um, it, it comes in five modules, okay? Um, but the first module for me 
it was the most important and this was the one we insisted on going first with because the first one, is, the first module is all case studies, okay? So these are real life experiences mm. that people have and they're not one-sided, it's not just about the woman going through it, okay? Um, but we wanted people to have an understanding of how this impacts women, how it impacts people in the workplace, how it impacts husbands. You know, the men have played a big role in this. Um, they've laid themselves bare and they've been very honest about what they've learned, the mistakes they've made, how horrible it's been for them uh, to see their wives and their work colleagues going through this because they didn't have an understanding of what's going on. Mm. So the, the first module for me is favourite might be the wrong word but it, I put the emphasis on that because we felt strongly that without having an understanding of the human impact you can't really move forward and so once you have the human understanding then you can see in the following modules how it impacts the workplace how it impacts company reputation you know how it impacts staff retention what you can do about it so but the we've actually because the first module is the key to all of it We've actually created the course where you can't skip, you know, the course is linear. So you have to go through the five modules in order because that is the order that we believe that the client needs the information so that they can then deliver that in the workplace. So that's it's five modules. Yep. All online. I love I love that. And I think the fact that you can sit at your desk and do it module yes. by module, work through yeah. it is yeah so great because we don't mind doing that we can do it an hour at lunchtime we can do it um at at home and i think the thing is we're used to doing that in corporate jobs we're used to doing a lot of our training online i I used to do a lot of legal training and trademark training and all sorts of things online and then you do it and then you get the certification that you've done it and you've showed that you know that you've learned something along the way, but you're kind of doing yeah. it in your own time and you don't have to get in a room. I mean, in, and yeah, talk about it. this. Nobody, yeah. wa- nobody wants to, nobody wants to do that. Well, that's the thing you see for you and I, I mean, it's not even a public, a, a popular subject, is it? <laughs> but it's, it's something that you feel that we feel so strongly about. And one of the, uh, one of the guys that we worked with on menopause is a, a gentleman from the United States and what we learned in our research is um, before COVID hit I knew that the United Kingdom was about three years ahead of the rest of the world in terms of the progress we're making on menopause but of course that's all gone on hold for the moment and what I heard from a, a lot of the American interviewees was you know they're very closed on this which was a surprise to me you know and it's like really frowned upon uh, the far way back than we are so mm. you know got a huge country there uh, so advanced in so many ways and yet this is really old school to do and as you say we you know to change the narrative of that was so important and then he, he said to me he did the course you know and he said uh, uh i love his expression he said if many course can move the needle i'm in you know and he did the course and uh I like that when he said, if it can move the needle. And yeah, he did it. You know, he said that we're desperate for for something like this. But again, as you said, being, you say, I don't want to keep it a secret, but I can understand how others do. And so we have to find a way to, to get them in the door, give them everything they need. And then, okay, you know, they may not want to make it their favorite subject ever. And they may not 
put themselves forward as a menopause advocate at work. However, they'll have everything, they, know, they won't be a doctor and they won't be a menopause expert, but they will, you know, what we say is, and we're very clear on this, we actually have it on our sales page that what we do is, it's not a, about menopause in women, it's not a lifestyle course, it's not about relationships, it's not about managing your flushes or anything like that. This is about strategically managing menopause in the workplace so you can get, you know, from the problem to the solution in a way that is comfortable and private. Yeah. And, I, and that's what you know. Yeah. I love that because I think by not trying to be everything and I know some other others are very much trying to be I'm trying to offer you the training but I'm also giving you the solution and people go no that's too much yeah. and and I think you brought up a really important point there about the US as well I mean we think of that as being progressive I I work a lot in the US and I'm doing a lot yeah. of talks and women are like nobody talks about this oh my god can you talk about this and I'm like God, I thought you guys were talking about this. But then I found the same here in Sweden, that there's a lot of conversation with doctors and women, but the conversation at work isn't happening. Um, it's not happening. Certainly if you live in France or in Spain, a lot of French women listen to this podcast because right. they get no support in their culture at all. So, yes. you know, when we look at the UK, it's amazing what has happened there, but it certainly isn't at that level of conversation anywhere else in the world and, and I think yeah. what you've created in menopause is an ability for people to get onto the first rung of the ladder to actually know what this is about in a very yes. safe way and I think that's fantastic what you two have created together here because it can be translated into any culture put yeah. there as a first step and then that allows conversation to be opened up for women yeah. among women, but also women in the workplace with other people as well. But we are a long way forward in the UK, and sometimes we forget about that. You know, we, we think, oh, yeah, everybody's talking about this, and they're not. No, they're not. And I think for, for us, one of the things that, that we feel very proud of is while it, when you get to the end of the course, while we do provide some, um, some templates, you know, for, for people to work on, um, because you have all the other information first before you get to the template, we've created this in a way that organisations can create a policy that is specific to their workplace mm -hmm. and gets the best, for, you know, gives their workforce the best, which enables them to get the best from the workforce in return. So we don't say you have to do this, that, and the other. We give the options because what we're encouraging people to do is talk to your people you know i mean organizations they're looking for a beacon they're looking for a light to guide them in this and there's a, a recent report by uh, the mercer uh, 2020 global trends yeah and it's quite clear on all the research they've done that organizations that put the heart at the front of their decision making are the ones that will win where their staff are concerned and so uh, Menicos does that because it, it's uh, even though it's professional and it's strategic and everything, the, the first module is very heart-centered. Some of the stories are quite sad. Uh, the reality of the stories are very sad from both sides for the individual and for what happens to the organization. Yeah. By not having that conversation there, 
the cost of their company reputation and everything. And so we've created something that is going to help them through that. I love that. And I think that you're so right. Coming rather from, oh, this is the cost and all the right, which has been the conversation before, has been very much about, you know, how much we spent and valued these people. Coming from the fact that these are value, these are valued and important employees, if we want to show we care, we need to care for these people. Because I think we've made progress in many countries around pregnancy and caring for, for maternity leave, although that's debatable in the US and Australia where I work but it's getting better but actually thinking a large part of our workforce is here and we should show the same level of care for them as we intend to do and have moved forward on on pregnant women so it it is very much part of being the kind of organization that you want to be yes and I think the other thing I would like to add as well um, is Given the experience I've got with doing the coaching with the midlife women and seeing the changes in their life that are not related to the menopause symptoms, but seeing the newfound changes they want to make, seeing how experienced they are, whether that's life skills, uh, organisational skills, whatever it is, you know, it's important for companies to know that, okay, this is a temporary setback for this woman, what she's mm. going through. But you need to know that she's going to come out of this brilliant, you know, better than ever, stronger than ever. A competence is all, you know, she might have brain fog for six months, but when that's all gone, she's still brilliant, she's still committed, she's still brought a lot of money to the table, she's still that woman, and mm. you don't want to be letting her go because she's a huge asset to your company. Mm. So treasure her and care for her and get something in place to keep her there. Otherwise, the cost, you know, on many levels is big. Yeah, it, it is. And it, it's, it's a whole all round if we lose talented midlife women. And given yeah. that we're going to be in the workforce till we're 66, 67, oh. if not yeah. till 70, we really yeah. can't afford to do that for lots of reasons. No, absolutely. And I love that men, of course, because it's online, can apply to small organisations as well as, as big To And I like, I really like that because I think a lot of the solutions being put out there, yeah, they work in a big bank or like I worked at Coca-Cola. There's a lot of money for training. and But yes. Menno course feels very accessible. If I was a small business with maybe, you know, 10, 20 employees, I could use that too because it's more accessible to do and I'm probably not going to invest on having a trainer here for one or two women but I can put a call but I can put an online course in place yes. for all my workforce yes and it, and it would be ideal for that I mean when we created the whole thing I'll be absolutely honest with you we did have you know our ideal client we did have one um ideal client in mind we honed in on that person and it's only expanded um to teams as we've rolled forward with it you know because obviously the mm. feedback we were, were getting which we haven't bargained for i'll be honest with you you know people were coming to us and saying well hr teams will love this well hand on heart we didn't think about hr teams to begin with we were just thinking about you know a line manager or a manager mm. and Another thing as well, and I do really hope that we get the message, but, you know, when you look at CEOs and directors and everything, and they usually, or often, I'll be careful how I say that, middle-aged men or whatever, and you have (laughs) and things like that, but, you know, it wouldn't do them any harm either to 
get, get themselves on menopause, you know, in the privacy of the office or at home and see what's happening in their workplace mm. to their people. Um, and so, again, they wouldn't, you know, have to step foot into a big conference to begin with, but they could take this in privately, quietly, and, and probably do their life a good favour by having an understanding of what's really going on as well as their workforce. I love it. If you had one piece of advice, Dee, for an organisation or an individual, what would that be? Um, do you mean in terms of menopause symptoms? Yeah, in menopause mean? symptoms or getting more awareness on, on this whole uh, Well, for the individual, which I know you will purport this in your work, but for, for any woman, because I was only 43 when I went through menopause, so mm. I had no idea what was on the horizon. So I would say as soon as you there's new changes to your body or new things happening, go and get some go to the doctors and at least get a diagnosis first. The doctors don't know everything, but then you can start a multi-pronged approach to improving your quality of life and, and getting things back on track. It took a multi-pronged approach for myself. But for organizations, uh, my advice to them would be to, you know, be prepared to talk to your people, find out what's going on. And if, and if you're not that person, if you're too embarrassed to do that, you know, find someone else to do it or get onto menopause, have a look what's going on and then find out who would want to roll that out in your organisation. But you have to listen and you have to be open to find out what's going on. And the great thing is about menopause, there's nothing squirmy in there. There's nothing embarrassing in there. We've even, we have a huge list of all of the symptoms, but we made a promise that we wouldn't make anyone feel uncomfortable. So we've even took that away into an additional document so that we don't go through that in the course so you can't get any more unsquirmy than that <laughs> no you can't and i'm i'm working my way through it just in case the listeners are wondering and i'm and i love that that was you know definitely what you said none of the squeamish stuff needed to be up front you can read sure. if you want to in the back yes in private okay See, how can people get in contact with you and uh, learn more about menopause and how they can um, sign up for it as an organisation? Okay, well, uh, first of all, um, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, I'm on there as Dee Coxon and all the menopause details are on there. And we also have a menopause company page on LinkedIn as well. And you can also email us at hello at menopause.com and just start the conversation. As I say, we don't go into organizations, we don't do in-house training, we've created this deliberately. Um, it, it's a completely different vehicle that we are using to give organizations the ease, you know, they don't have to leave the premises, they don't have to hire in, it's just all there online for them. And even though we don't go in and deliver, we are absolutely open to conversations. If anyone wants to chat to us, we're here and available. That's wonderful, Dee. Thank you so much for coming on, sharing a bit of your story, but also your passion around lifting and changing the conversation in workplaces around menopause through menopause. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a wonderful opportunity and I, I really do appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining me on this episode. I'm really delighted that you were here and I hope you gained value from it. 
Don't forget to check out Menno Course if you are a business leader and want to support your staff with Menopause at Work programs. Next week, I have another fantastic guest in Sarah Southgate, naturopath and herbalist, and we will be talking about natural ways to help us through our menopause transition. Don't forget to like, subscribe and share the podcast. Until next time, go well. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.